two hunters are reported missing in Bear Mountain National Forest. The Midwest sees the worst drought in 30 years. Civil unrest is imminent. The Northeast power grid has blacked out. Economists fear the worst with falling markets. In other news, the pandemic has gone global. Welcome to Survival Tech Episode 10. I'm Matt. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. Oh, Episode 10 is going to be a Blitz show, um, another Blitz show. Um, we put out in Episode 9 that we would like possibly Episode 10 to be a show where you guys call in to the voicemail line, which the voicemail line is... Let's pull this number up right now. Uh, area code 206-426-4893. And what we wanted was some reviews on some survival movies. Well, we didn't, we didn't get many reviews, so we're going to go ahead and postpone that until we do get enough reviews. We're probably looking between six and seven reviews from you guys. Um, so we're going to go ahead and postpone that until we do receive that. Um, I've already got my movie picked out. Hopefully no one else reviews that before I do. Um, so episode 10 is going to be a blitz show. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what we're going to be doing in episode 10 is we're going to be touch basing on uh, on a couple different topics. Um, one is, an, is a forum post. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and... Uh, and get into it, Corey. Why don't you give us the Intel report? I'd like to uh, start off by welcoming our uh, four new members, um, Hard D, Patrick, Ricky Dick, and SoCalRat29. Thank you for uh, joining our website. You guys are in the uh, drawing. Um, we are now 21 members strong for our 25-member uh, uh, appreciation prize package that we have put together. Uh, the 25th member will be uh, ending that competition, or that contest, I should say. Um, in that contest, the prize will include a magnesium fire starter, a Columbia River eating tool, an emergency blanket, a compass, a paracord key fob with a P38 can opener, and one of the first official Survival Tech t-shirts. Interesting. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good package, Corey. But thanks. Yeah. I'll and uh, if you're not yet a member, you can become a member by uh, going to www.survivaltech.webs.com and just click on the member page. You know, it's it's pretty nice of you to to float the whole prize package all by yourself. Well, that's the first time I'm hearing of this, but uh, that'll work as long as it gets out to the to the listeners. So yeah, so we're only four away. I think we can do that this week, easy. I would like to. I, I think we can hit 25, and once we hit 25, we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, some more contests and uh, prizes that we may have rolling out in the future. Well, cool. Um, let's go ahead and uh, and get right into it um i don't know what it's been but for the past couple weeks i, I guess you know disasters come in threes as well um episode nine we talked about tornadoes and we had the tornado down in moscow ohio that hit and um we also talked about solar flares which happened last week as well and um so what could go wrong this week? Well, of course, um, it's, uh, you know, might as well throw some flooding in. So our area got hit pretty hard. And, of course, it couldn't come at a better time because March 12th through the 16th, 
is the Flood Safety Awareness Week. So we had some some pretty good flash floods around here, and uh, we just felt it necessary to go ahead and and have a blitz show and you know talk about what what the Red Cross says about um, about preparing for floods. And just a quick note on the uh, the floods that we had. It was um, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Um, and parts of our area received, uh, anywhere from six to seven inches of rain in just a few hours, which is a lot for us. I don't ever remember receiving that much in a short amount of time. On top of all the rain we've been getting, you know, a little bit here every day for the last week or so. Yeah, and that just saturated the ground, so there was nowhere for that water to go. So... It just started ponding everywhere, and then, I mean, that's that's a lot of water quick. And, uh, you know, once you start figuring in drainage areas and everything else, you know, it's just, you're done. You know, it's going to settle in the low-lying areas, and that's where your house is, <laughs> and that's where your house is. You, you now have a houseboat. So <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about... Um, I've got a, a PDF here um, for the Red Cross. Um, you can check out the Red Cross at www.redcross.org, and you can get this information. I'm going to go ahead and, and um, post a link to this PDF onto the website, <clears throat> so it can be accessed by you guys fairly easy. Um, what's nice about this is it gives you a it's it's a flood safety checklist, so you can actually you know check mark everything uh, as you go and as you prepare. Um, so you definitely know the you know yes I did this or yes I don't. And um, what's uh, what's what's similar with floods and tornadoes is the warning system. Um, it's pretty much the same thing where you know a watch is um, there's potential for the for the flooding to happen, and the warning is um, it is actually occurring right now, or it has, or it will be occurring uh, very soon. So um, definitely look at those look at those warnings and um, and you know react appropriately to them. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and start reading off this uh, safety checklist, to them, and I think that's going to be the best you know, information for this. Um, floods are among the most frequent and costly natural disasters. Uh, conditions that cause flood include heavy or steady rain for several hours or days um, that saturate the ground. Flash floods occur suddenly due to rapidly rising water along a stream or a low-lying area. So it says, what should I do? <clears throat> Excuse me. You need to listen to an area radio and television station and a weather radio for possible flood warnings and reports of floodings in progress or other critical information from the National Weather Service. You need to be prepared to evacuate at a moment's notice. When a flood or flash flood warning is issued for your area, head for higher ground and stay there. Stay away from flood waters. If you come upon a flowing stream where water is above your ankles, stop, turn around, and go another way. Six inches of swiftly moving water can sweep you off your feet. If you come upon a flooded road while driving, turn around and go another way. If you're caught on a flooded road and waters are rising rapidly around you, get out of the car quickly and move to higher ground. Most cars can be swept away by less than two feet of moving water. Keep children out of the water. They are curious and often lack judgment about running water or contaminated water. Be especially cautious at night when it is harder to recognize flood danger. And this is a big one because standard homeowner's insurance doesn't cover flooding. It's important to have protection from the floods associated with hurricanes, tropical storms, heavy rains, and other conditions that impact the U.S. For more information on flood insurance, please visit the National Flood Insurance Program website at www.floodsmart.gov. Now, 
a lot of the supplies that the Red Cross is calling is a lot of the supplies that what we're going to already have um, in our 72-hour kits. So just to go through those real quick, water, at least a three-day supply, one gallon per person per day. Food, at least a three-day supply of non-perishable, easy-to-prepare food. Flashlight, battery-powered or hand-crank radio, uh, weather radio if possible, uh, extra batteries, first aid kit. Um, they, re- they ask you to have a seven-day supply of medications, um, a mortar purpose tool, a sanitation and personal hygiene items, copies of personal documents, uh, a cell phone with multiple chargers, um, family and emergency contact information, extra cash, an emergency blanket, maps of the area, baby supplies, pet supplies, tools and supplies for securing your home, extra set of car keys and house keys, extra clothing, hat and sturdy shoes, rain gear, uh, insect repellent and sunscreen, and this is a good one, camera for photos of damage. And I think uh, a camera that that we could all probably throw in our bag would would possibly be um, a waterproof disposable camera. Um, I I believe they're they're fairly cheap now, aren't they, Cora? Yeah, the last time I bought one, it wasn't you know that much more expensive than a regular disposable camera. And now you can get them with uh, you know no they're like digital disposable digital. Oh wow, cameras. Well, that'd be cool. I'll have to check into it and see if I can't find one and, uh, you know, maybe post it in a form or something. Um, so what do you do after a flood? Well, you return home only when the officials have declared the area safe. Before entering your home, look outside for loose power lines, damaged gas lines, foundation cracks, or other damage. Um, parts of your home may be collapsed or damaged. Approach entrances carefully. See if porch roofs and overhangs have all their supports. Watch out for wild animals, especially poisonous snakes, that may have come into your home with flood water. If you smell natural or propane gas or hear a hissing noise, leave immediately and call the fire department. If power lines are down outside your home, do not step in puddles or standing water. Keep children and pets away from hazardous sites and flood water. Materials such as cleaning products, paint batteries, contaminated fuel, and damaged fuel containers are hazardous. Check with local authorities for assistance with disposal. During cleanup, wear protective clothing, including rubber gloves and rubber boots. Make sure your food and water are safe. Now, pay attention to this, because this is, this is something that, that I found very interesting. Um, discard items that have come in contact with flood water, including canned goods. Um, I wouldn't think canned goods would be a problem, but but Red Cross says, yeah, do not do not use them. Um, water bottles, plastic utensils, baby bottle nipples. Uh, when in doubt, throw it out. Um, this is yeah, this is kind of a no-brainer, but you know, I guess some people still need to be told, do not use water that could be contaminated to wash dishes, brush teeth, prepare food, wash hands, make ice, or make baby formula. And then uh, the last thing that they have here is contact your local or state public health department for specific recommendations for boiling or treating water in your area after disaster as water may be contaminated. So Thursday morning, kind of very, very ironic. You know, I'm, I'm sending Corey pictures of some of the damage around me and, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about it and, um, Corey, why don't you go ahead and uh, uh, fill everybody in on, on the training we're about to receive because um, we could have used it uh, just last week. Yeah, uh, early last week uh, we received a phone call from our local CERT, uh, which is Community Emergency Response Team, um, that they were going to be holding a uh, training session in our area. We've uh, asked, oh, it was earlier in this year, um, about when the, I – Approached them last year as well, um, but they were were not having any more training classes at that time, so they kept us on the list. And sure, and behold, uh, 
earlier this week, they sent us a uh, email saying that they have a uh, training class coming up. Um, Matt and I, along with our wives, are tr- signed up to uh, start the beginning of April. It's a uh, one night a week, two and a half hours a night for eight week uh, training class. And if you're not familiar with CERT, I've talked about it in some of the past episodes, but uh, CERT is the Community Emergency Response Team. They work uh, hand-in-hand with uh, the uh, FEMA and Homeland Security, um, as long as your state um, emergency management uh, group as well. The primary goal of CERT is to educate the community. I'm getting this from uh, a CERT website, and it's... uh, the primary goal of CERT is to educate the community about disaster preparedness. And, uh, and CERT training is an eight-week course that focuses on disaster preparedness, fire suppression, medical operations, search and rescue, disaster psychology, and team organization. The second part of CERT is community involvement. Um, you have the option to either take the education and just go back home with it, or you can actually become part of the emergency response team, um, which work hand in hand uh, with uh, you actually assist local first responders in a disaster, you know, situation. So Matt and I, along with our wives, we are going to be uh, taking this this disaster or this you know emergency response team training. Um, I know for a fact that Matt and I will be uh, becoming full members. Um, and uh, hopefully we can get back to the community and, uh, you know, and get a whole bunch of information and uh, pass it along to you. Yeah, because especially with with uh, the eight weeks uh, coming up, you know, one night a week, you know, we're, we're probably going to be giving you guys, you know, five, ten-minute updates, you know, every week during the podcast as well. So it'd be, it'd be kind of neat if, if uh, you know, a lot of you guys, you know, get into this as well. And if any of our listeners are members of their local CERT team, um, we would love to, you know, hear from you. Uh, let's start a uh, forum post and uh, talk about it. You know, let us know how you feel about it and, and yeah. what you've learned and uh, what kind of situations that you've been involved with um, so we can kind of know what to expect, uh, what that we may be called into. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good, buddy. Let's see. We had we had one doozy of a day here, didn't we? Yes, we did. It was a doozy <laughs> of a day. It was a great uh, adventure. Well, you know, along with the along with you know, episode ten being a, a blitz show, um, we went ahead and we got the families out today. It was a perfect day for it. It was you know seventy seven, seventy eight degrees, and. Uh, we all piled into the cars and uh, we ended up going for a small adventure and a cookout and and uh, just had a blast. And um, we ended up taking the kids up to um, the Honey Run Waterfall up in Millwood. And I think, Corey, you got some more information on that, don't you? Yeah. Uh, okay. The Honey Run Waterfall um, is in Millwood, Ohio, which is in Knox County. Um, it has a height of uh, 20 feet um, with a crest of 8 feet. Um, it's a small um, but very scenic waterfall. Uh, I posted this on a uh, forum post earlier this week um, about places to visit. Uh, we, you know, we talked about visiting it last, you know, last several years, and uh, we it was the first one to go to this year. It's a nice, easy path um, to walk down to the waterfall. Uh, for kids is starting out, and uh, along with the waterfall, it's got a nice nature hike back to uh, the Kokosian River, and it has some cave that you can go into and uh, some cliffs that you can climb up on. Um, very scenic, very... It's almost pristine. I mean, how clean it is. This park is just... It's amazing. I mean, you know, they've got... They've got stairs cut into the earth, you know, for for those that that need it. And yeah, once we got there, you know, we all walked down to the waterfall, and of course, the kids went straight to the water, straight to throwing rocks in the water. And um, that's what kids do best. And uh, even say, uh, us older kids enjoyed throwing ro- rocks in the water too. You're never too old to throw rocks in the water. 
But uh, I took the opportunity to climb up as far as I could up into the waterfall. Now, <laughs> the water's cold. I mean, it is only middle of March. Um, we just had a big rain, so the water was really rolling coming off of it. And I climbed up as far as I could, and I, you know, put my hand in the water and all and uh, enjoyed it. And then I decided that I wanted to go to the other side of the waterfall. And there's a, it kind of, as the main waterfall comes down, it kind of branches off into a Y before it goes over a second part of, you know, rock. So I, I attempt to jump the first section. Why, I don't know. <laughs> but because, you know, everything up there is slippery and, you know, covered in moss. Because your first name is and Bear, not Cole. No, <laughs> no, I'm not Dora. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Here's your map. Here's your map. <laughs> so I go to jump, and, of course, I slip and fall. I don't fall the way in the water. I catch myself, but all I could think about was my iPhone. Um, I did not have it in the otter box, and uh, I been, you know, had it in my hand taking pictures, and I thought I could just easily hop over the waterfall, and, man, my feet went right out from underneath me. And uh, I could, I looked back, and I seen I had an audience. All kinds of people were staring at me. I thought it was a very busy down. place, but <laughs> I thought I was going to make it all the way to the bottom. Oh, man. But I made it safely across and uh was able to get some some good pictures and come back and everyone was laughing and having a good time and uh, the kids they were tromping in the water and hopping from rock to rock and we were all throwing rocks and it was nice to get out and enjoy the the day um it was a good warm day uh, on a weekend usually all the warm days we've had have been during the week so we hadn't had a chance to you know, go out and enjoy the nature like we did today. One thing that was great was uh, your bridge. The bridge, right? The bridge. Is that what you were calling it? I believe it was the bridge. <laughs> you know, and as I'm saying the bridge, I'm doing air quotation marks <laughs> um, that you cannot see, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, once we uh, got the fill of the waterfall, which you really can't get a fill of a waterfall. I, I could spend all day there. Mm -hmm. Um but we decided to walk on back to uh, some of the cave rocks um, that's out there and uh, over to the Cocosine River. But in order to get to it, you got to cross over a small creek. Well, there happened to be a tree that had fallen, and the tree had split um, up the tree right in the middle. Uh, but it, the whole thing was in, you know, crossing over the creek. So as you stepped on it, it was real springy. And at first, I didn't know if it was going to be able to, you know, hold my weight. But then I walked across it, and it it worked fine. It, you know, had no problem. A little bounce to it, and got a little, you know, bit of fun out of it. And so I ended up making that trip across the bridge three times, carrying, you know, each of my younger children over. And uh, Matt's wife gone on it and walked across, and his son and my wife, and we turned back, and where's Matt? And he's walking down the creek and crossing in another spot because <laughs> he was afraid the bridge wouldn't handle him. Yeah. Or it wouldn't handle him or he didn't have the coordination <laughs> to handle it. One hey or the now, other. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Now, Corey was definitely Dave and I was definitely Cody today if, <laughs> if we would have been on dual survival. I kept I kept complaining at him to, you know, pick the path of least resistance, and Corey just wasn't having it. He was going all adventure, full bore. And that's that's what brings us to the cliff, or the mountain, as I like to call it. <laughs> well, we first climb up into a cave, and, you know, the kids are having fun in the cave, and, you know, we're looking for Sasquatch and Bigfoot and all, and um, throwing rocks and banging on trees and calling for Bigfoot and, and of course, he never shows up. But uh, we didn't have any Jack Links with us. That's right. We left that's it in the car. Um. So I decide there there's a path. Well, there's there's rock formation that you can get to get to the top of you know the cliff. And I decided to go up there because I'm adventurous and you know willing to try it. So I climb on up there, and it's kind of treacherous. It's got some spots that. 
excuse me, that uh, it's hard to, you know, reach and get to. And you actually got to climb and, you know, jump. And I made it up to the top. And once I got up there, it was just a beautiful, you know, picture. Um, and everything was covered in nice bright green moss. And there was, you know, rock cliff on one side that just drops off um, down to the Kokosian River on the other side. It's a sheer drop off about 30 feet and there's some woods. So I'm yelling at everybody, you know, else down there to come on up here and. Wait a uh, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What kind of ruler are you using? 30 foot? Yeah, it's about 30 feet. More like 50 feet. Well, you know, comparing to that waterfall, you're probably right. <laughs> and that's 20 feet. And the web's, it probably was 50 feet. <laughs> Yeah, because we were looking down on the waterfall. Yeah. So. So I climb up to the top. I'm yelling at everybody else to, you know, come on up. It might be 70 feet more, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see how this is going. Let's go ahead and round it up to 75. All right, nice even number. Yeah, okay, so it's odd. It was 50 foot. Yeah. Maybe 45. It, it was it was a good sized cliff. We'll put it that way. It's up there enough that if you would fall, you would definitely hurt yourself. Um, you you'll definitely need some antibacterial cream <laughs> and a band aid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I get you know my kids start start coming up and the wives start coming up and. We're all up on top, and we're all, you know, oh, this is cool, and looking around, and we're like, where's Matt? So we're, you know, look over, and he he's just yelling from down below. I ain't coming up. There's nothing up there for me to see. I can see it all from down here. So, you know, we go off, and we're exploring up there and, you know, hiking around. And, and I'm like, you know, where's Matt? And my wife goes, well, there he is. So... I turn and look over to, you know, where we're all coming up, and there's Matt laying flat on his stomach at the top of the the mountain. And uh, he made it up there, but somehow he was able, it looked like to me, he rolled up the mountain, which is uh, pretty good. But there's about a four-and-a-half-foot rock cliff that you got to climb up to to get to the very top from the next lower ledge. And he's, well, he's up there, and he's... he's Proud to be up there, but he's pissed that we made him go up there at the same time. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of heights, um, especially uh, real rocky, moss-covered heights, um, <laughs> especially with a lot of leaf debris and not really knowing. Well, the, the the thing that got me and really made me nervous the most was the climb up was leaf debris. It was slippery underneath of it, so once you got up to the top and you started seeing a whole bunch of leaf debris, it's like, okay, you know, and you're talking, you know, I mean, in spots, you're maybe looking at nine foot, you know, that this, this, you know, it's just, it's a, like a nine foot walkway and it's, you know, cliff, cliff. So, um, you know, it gets pretty hairy there and it's like, Okay, I'm I'm gonna fall, guys, and I'm blaming you. <laughs> so, so I yeah I made it. I rolled up the mountain. So once he got up to the top, you know, we decided to you know take it as far as we could one way, which ends in a cliff. <laughs> and uh, his wife goes out on the edge of the the ledge and you know sits down, and um, the son goes out there with him and. And you want to pick up from there? Yeah. Now, I don't want to push, you know, my dislike of heights, you know, onto my son. So I'm glad he's adventurous and everything. Um, but, yeah. Um, he can stay away from the edge, and, and that would make me just absolutely fine. So, you know, so... You know, Corey and his kids, and, you know, they're all out there, you know, with my kid and my wife, and, you know, they're all playing their, you know, mountain goat games, and, you know, hey, look, take a picture of this, you know, hey, we're all hanging off the cliff, and, yeah, not, not real, 
not there wasn't a whole lot of uh, easing of my nerves um, up there. So so we decided to go ahead and walk around and go see what was the other way on the ridge line. So we're up there and we're walking and you know it kind of dead ends and like well you could take the natural slide down, but you're sliding down you know. How big was the mountain? 105 feet? Is that what it said? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so you're sliding down 50 foot, okay? And Corey's like, oh, I can do it. I can do I it. I was I'm going. Like, I'm like, no, nah, nah. I said, I don't care. I was what like, I'm, I'm going back the other way. Yeah. I'm going back the way we came. So, I grab my boy and away we go. And, of course, you know, we get there and, you know, everybody else climbs, you know, starts climbing down. And then, go ahead, Corey, make fun of me some more. Okay. So we start climbing down and you know. Okay, first of all, you know, I look like a mountain gorilla because I've got I'm six foot two. I've got, you know, a big upper body, you know, big arms, they got tiny little legs. And uh so yeah, go ahead and and picture that in your in your mind. And then go ahead, Corey. Continue with the uh, harassment. So we start hopping down, and, you know, I hop down first. Literally hopping. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's only a four and a half feet drop, you know, to the ledge, and it's a two-foot ledge, and if you miss the ledge, it's only, you know, 45 feet to the bottom. Right. Um, But they're all mountain goats, so they're all hopping. Yeah, we're hopping from ledge to ledge, going, you know, down, and uh, we're... uh, Oh, uh, leapfrogging the kids all the way down to make sure they get down, you know, nice and safe. And Matt's the last one to come down off the mountain and, uh, look up and, you know, here he is, you know, trying to figure out, he's, you know, putting his right foot down. He's like, he's doing the, oh, what, what's the hokey pokey? Put your right foot out, put your left foot out. He's trying to figure out the best way to come down. Hokey pokey? Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, you're playing. <laughs> It's called handholds and footholds, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you weren't doing it very well. Um, <laughs> okay, excuse me for being 200 foot up in the air. <laughs> that was creepy. So, you know, of course I asked Matt, do you, want, do you need me to lift you down too? And uh, that just put, you know, insult to injury there. And, uh, <laughs> So no, he you know got down on his butt and did it how any man would do it. <laughs> and as he's sitting down, reaching down for the ledge. Now you can see the ledge; it's only you know four and a half feet down. He's got his legs stretched as far out as they will go, and his toes straight out to make sure he can touch the ground before he slides down to the next ledge. And he did that all the way back down. But he made it. He made it to the top, and he made it back down. I'm proud of him. Hey, thanks, buddy. Conquer your conquer your fears. Yeah, I guess. Cross that off your bucket list. <laughs> yeah, I climbed the uh, cliff, the 45-foot cliff. But at least we got to see Cozing Gems. You know, yes, while we're at the top, we happened to look, look over to one side, and uh, the one piece of trash in the whole park was a mattress. How that mattress got on that side of that secluded area, I have no idea. Um, it had to be Cozing Gems. Uh, and for you that don't know about Kikosing Gym, ever since Matt and I were little, when we went camping with our parents up at Kikosing, I was probably eight, nine years old. Matt would tell stories of, you know, the killer hobo Kikosing Gym that broke into, you know, campsites and would capture and kill little kids that wouldn't go to sleep. Um, and, of course, it scared me to death. And it didn't matter if it could have been Kikosing, it couldn't have been you know, Mohican Mike, it didn't matter where we were. They all had a killer hobo living there. Uh, <laughs> so as soon as I seen, you know, the the mattress, and I don't think I got a picture of it. I should have. Um, yeah, I honestly, you know, triggered in my head, ghosting Jim, and I was looking over my shoulder the whole time. <laughs> but we made it down. We made it to the river. Um, of course, the kids were picking up everything they could find, and, um rocks and sticks and throwing them in the river as kids do and uh kind of relaxed and um sat by that for a while and enjoyed the the rapids going by and it was uh, a real fun time yep 
Yep, it was real good. Then we made our way back to the back to the waterfall, and um, we went ahead and, and decided to to depart, and we went to another uh, park, which is you know pretty much you know five minutes down the road and you know, across the street, and it's the Kikosing River Access, and uh, we decided to uh, grill out there. And uh, Corey had his world famous hamburgers, and I had some brats, and we uh, we just you know kicked back and relaxed and enjoyed the kids, and and uh, met a guy when we were out there, and and that that was probably one of the best things of the day was you know all the people, different people that we were talking to, and you know you get little you get little insights to their life, and. Uh, it was it was pretty neat. So we're talking to this guy, you know, he's a you know he's on a on a BMW, you know, motorcycle and all and comes pulling in just nice as can be and hey, how you guys doing? And you know, we're you know, good and you and he goes down to the river and he's sitting on this bench that they have and uh you know, he's you know, drinking his drink and his you know, eating whatever that he's got and uh you know, we finish up dinner and we go ahead and, and uh, round up the trash and all, and and because uh, we ended up taking trash that we took, um, the trash that we generated, we actually took that out because even though they did have a trash can, there wasn't a trash bag liner in it, so we went ahead and, and packed it out. <clears throat> no, we didn't take trash. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> the trash we generated. Yeah, right. Um, so we go down, and, you know, kids are, of course, playing in the water, you know, because you can never have too much of that. And by this time, they're not just playing in it. They're, like, you know, jumping in it, right. falling in it, or at least mine were. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're talking to this guy and all, and he said he said that uh, he didn't even start really camping or getting any outdoors until he was, he was like, 18. He was, he was probably mid to late 50s, and... Um, he said when he met his wife, he's you know he started camping and everything, and uh, he just he was amazed about what all he missed out as a kid um, by not going camping. So for all for all the parents out there, you know they're listening, which I know there's there's quite a few of you. Um, you just just think about you know what the difference that you're making you know in your kid's life by you know getting them in the outdoors. It's a uh, that's a that's a big thing that can help mold a kid into a into a, a a fine a fine person, you know, when they when they reach adulthood. Because uh, you know, this guy he was he's pretty sincere on what he missed. I mean he was just sitting there and he was just taking everything in. You know, he's laughing with us about the kids and you know, just you know, we're talking about all the different natural places and um in fact, you know, Corey gave him insight on on uh, the waterfall, which he had yeah. no clue it was even there. I had asked him if he'd been to the waterfall because he was saying he was originally from uh, Cleveland and then moved down, um, you know, closer to where we were, and uh, he just happened to f- find this, you know, river access by chance one year, and uh, he comes to it often and just sits there and, uh, you know, has a drink and something to eat and then uh, heads back home. Um, and I asked him if he'd been down to the waterfall. He's like, no, you know, where's that? And you explain where it was that, you know, just cross over 62 and <laughs> go straight. And, um, he was, you know, real excited to go and, uh, check it out. And once he was leaving there, uh, he was, you know, heading over there. And that's, you know, like Matt says, one of the best parts is, is meeting people and sharing your experiences and, uh, you know, educating people. And, you know, that's not only what we try to do on this show, but, you know, in everyday life as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great into a great day, you know. We he departed, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check that out." And uh, he went ahead and left. And uh, Corey and I, we got a chance to do a video on slingshots, which if you guys are listening to this podcast, um, we've already uploaded it. Um, so you know, enjoy. And in fact, you can see the Honey Run waterfall in the beginning of our video. Um, so we're going to start using that kind of as our, as our, uh, intro. 
And this is also one of the first chances to, you know, really see us and who yeah. we are. Yeah. It's not just our hands. Well, here's the thing, you know, and, and just remember that the camera adds 10 pounds. And there's probably about six cameras that's filming me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Gotta get, everyone take a mental note. Yeah, I got to get back down to my fighting weight. So, but, uh. But no, it was a it was a great day. Kids enjoyed themselves. That's what all that matters. We enjoyed ourselves, so that was a bonus. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to you know doing it again. Um, now you got a trip coming up next week, don't you? And next weekend, uh, me and Andy and Jeff, two of the other members, are uh, uh, we all work together, and we are heading to um, Wayne National Forest to. Uh, do a hiking camping trip now in Wayne National Forest. Um, it's in southern Ohio. Um, it's a huge, you know, piece of, uh, oh, national forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's, they have primitive camping where you can park on the side of the uh, road and hike in and just set up camp. Um, we're going to try and do it with just what we can carry in, nothing else. Uh, just hiking. A lot of it is just out of our, you know, 72-hour kits and, you know, bags of that nature. Um, so the shelters that we're going to be making that we're uh, going to attempt to make are just uh, primitive, uh, you know, shelters that we, you know, find from, uh, you know, natural resources and uh, maybe, you know, some tarps because you, all of us carry, you know, some type of uh, tarp or coverage material in our bags. You're not going to um, build a squatch nest? No, that's probably what we're going to go for is a, you know, a squatch nest. Yeah. Um, that's the plan, at least. So uh, it's going to be similar to that of the uh, picture that Andy put up a couple weeks ago of our uh, little camp out at his house. But this is going to be on a much grander scale in the middle of a you know national forest um, where we were going to have to hike out. So uh, we're going to be taking some pictures and some video, and we're going to be uploading it. Um, once we're done and looking forward to it and can't wait to, uh, to share it all with you guys. I just remember Path of Least Resistance. Nah, man, I'm on a, I'm going to be a mountain goat or whatever yeah. you call me and I'm going <laughs> to jump and hop and, you know, get to the most re- remote place where if something terrible happens, I'll have to helicopter me out. Just, just for you. Actually, just for Bear Grylls, because, and on a side note, I don't want to say it's a sad day because Bear Grylls has been terminated from the Discovery Channel. I heard that. Yeah. I heard that. So, um, you can now find him. On Nick Jr. and it's under the name Dora, <laughs> the Explorer. <laughs> oh shoot! Yeah, I mean, I, I heard some things about Dave and Cody as well. I read. Um, I'm not prepared because I do not have them pulled up. I'm kind of surprised you even brought Bear up, but they were talking about uh, just just going to type in uh, season uh, season three dual survivor here. Let me see if I can if I can find that. Well, I believe Bear Grylls um, was let go because he would not do, like, a spinoff show for uh, Discovery Channel that they had in his contract. Um, excuse me. It was probably another one of Discovery's lame shows that they're starting to put out. Um, and it probably just didn't appeal to him. And I can't say I blame him because I think, in, in like we talked about, you know, in the other episode in the beginning – it was a great show to watch, and then, you know, I think the network wanted so much from him and made him do so much of the extreme stuff that it was, you know, ended up being predictable. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, where I have my little Dora that he, you know, resembles Dora to me because everything is, you know, this and that and that, and there's the end of the show. Um, so I'm looking forward to, you know, Bear Girls coming out and. And doing something else, I'm sure he will with probably another network. Um, and I think it'll be a, a great thing to watch, and I will definitely be tuning into it. Yeah, I mean, I I just ended up finding that it it was just a forum post um, on some you know wilderness survival you know forum, but it as a guy says, uh, 
he's heard through the grapevine that, you know, one of Cody's friends, or from one of Cody's friends, that Cody is trying to get out of Season 3. Um, he thinks he might have to do a Season 3 with Dave unless the sponsors will let someone else take his place. He is not happy working with Dave. It just would have heard from someone I trust. So, you know, let, let's hope that show doesn't go by the wayside because, man, that was that was great. So, anyway, enough about Dave and Cody and Bear, but no, that's that's good to know, man. That's good to know. I'd good old good old Bear Gorillas and his vitamins and uh, sheep eyeballs. And yeah. <laughs> What what do you call it? Uh, vitamins and uh, how do you call glaciers? <laughs> I don't know. Glaciers or was I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, sheep eyeballs have a lot of vitamins in it. <laughs> so oh man, some of the stuff he's done. Yeah, I don't know how someone could. <laughs> I mean, to do it in a survival situation is one thing, but to do it for viewers is something else. Yeah, his uh, his whole you know seal, yeah, seal suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the rabbit it, fur pants you've always wanted to make. Dude, I'm gonna make rabbit fur pants. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna be styling, and I'm just gonna sew it straight on the jeans, and they're actually gonna look like chaps, rabbit fur chaps. <laughs> So if anybody wants to donate some rabbit fur chaps, uh, write me at www.survivaltech.webs.com. <laughs> All right. Shoot. Yes, last topic of the night, right? And last topic, yeah. Let's see. I'm uh, pulling it up. It actually started with a forum, and uh, we are... We're going to try and give a little bit of insight to this to this topic. Um, we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail because we really can't. Um, it says, does anybody have any ideas or sources for motorcycle prepping? All the survival stuff I find for cycles tends to be about safe riding. Thanks. And he says, uh, I'm looking for some advice on motorcycle preps. Thanks. And... Uh, the member that posted it was TJ Tradecraft. Um, well, TJ um, and our listeners, um, Corey and I are certified uh, Harley-Davidson certified. We are certified Harley-Davidson mechanics. Um, we were certified through AMI, who's now part of WyoTech. WyoTech, yes. And Out of Daytona Beach, Florida. Yes. So, we ended up graduating in, oh, shoot, three, four, four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. So, we, we graduated from there eight years ago. We ran our own shop um, for a couple years and then uh, ended up to uh, get out of it. Um, but we can start the shop at any time. Um, we still have our tools and everything else. Um, we were successful enough. Um, to know when to get out of it because that's right when everything started breaking down with the economy. So, um, you know, it was, it was when we when we uh, closed down. So we actually closed down to the positive. So, you know, definitely a plus for us. But you know, we were able to keep everything. <clears throat> so, with us being um, certified Harley Davidson mechanics. Um, we've worked on quite a few bikes. We don't really know um, what you're meaning by motorcycle prepping. Um, so we're going to hit just on a few notes uh, and try and guess at it, uh, pretty much just to, just to go ahead and finish out the show. Um, as far as, you know, motor, you know, survival stuff on motorcycles and, and stuff, um, the big thing is, you know, if you're talking about storage, you know, and, and storing, you know, stuff for your motorcycle, um, you know, a good fuel stabilizer, you know, whatever you trust, you know, make sure you have plenty of that on hand. Um, make sure you have the exact fuel, 
you know, that you run. Um, I know my Harley, um, it would, it wouldn't perform very well on 87 octane. I had to go higher, uh, for the most part, you know, depending on the gas station, ran 91, 92 octane. Um, you know, and that's just, it, it just, it burned a lot cleaner in, in, you know, the old engine that I had. Um, so, you know, definitely, you know, get some, you know, some sort of, you know, fuel stabilizer, you know, whatever brand is your favorite, go with that. Um, they all have good qualities. Um, store some parts. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing to look at is, you know, with, with the storage of the parts, um, not everything that breaks on the motorcycle is going to be a catastrophic failure. A lot of times what you're going to be doing is you're going to be doing a lot of um, uh, maintenance tune-ups. And um, if you make sure that you have plenty on hand, you know, gaskets, um, carburetor rebuild kits, um, you know, if if it is carburetor, if, if the um, motorcycle that you have is fuel injected, you're talking a whole new ball game. Um, you know, the the more simple a motorcycle is, the better off you're going to be in this in this category. Um, you know, because you know now now you're looking at you know you know injectors, um, O2 sensors, and the list goes on and on and on, and a ton of electrical. Um, you know, problems that could arise from that. And most of those electrical tools, you're going to need a uh, scanner to actually pull codes, find out, you know, what the problem is. And that's just something, you know, the everyday mechanic, you know, and a lot of small shops can't afford because they're three, four, five thousand dollars and you can only get them. I know with Harley, you could only get the Harley and scanner from Harley. Um, so if you did not have a connection at a dealership, you weren't getting, you know, the proper codes. Right. Um, and that's what, you know, Corey and I are going to be basing this a lot of is, you know, we're thinking about, you know, our bikes and what we, you know, would have with them. Um, biggest thing is, you know, like I said, you know, the maintenance parts, they're going to be for maintenance tune-ups. Um, you know, preventative maintenance is going to be big. Um, spark plugs, you know, if... You know, spark plugs. You can you can never have you know too many of those. Um, you know, I think I already said you know gaskets and and carburetor rebuild kit, but um, you know wiring. Um, if you have points, points. Um, you know anything that you know anything that moves. You know chain. You know that's. I mean, you we can just you know we can list every working you know of the bike. Um, but, you know, without knowing exactly where to mold, you know, this forum post to, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to really, really get down to specifics. So once we get the specifics, you know, that'll be, um, that'll be a lot better, you know, for the forum and hopefully we can get you the answer that, that you're looking for, TJ. But for the most part, you know, if, if you're, if you're preparing a bike for storage, um, you know, for a just in case, you know, as a mode of transportation or whatever, you know, definitely look at that. You know, the the components that go wrong the most um, are the components that you know. Once you take something apart, you have to replace with something brand new, such as gaskets. Um, you're going to want to keep in mind all those parts, and you're going to want to have your own inventory of those. And if you're thinking of prepping more towards, you know, using it as a daily rider, um, then, or, you know, using it in a survival situation uh, to get out, because you got to admit, motorcycles get, you know, great gas mileage yep. um, compared to a car. And, and today's, you know, the way things are today, you know, it's, it's the best way to go because of the price of gas. Um, you know, and then you also have, uh, you know, motorcycles such as dual sports, yeah, they can handle both terrains. Yeah. You know, on and off-road. Now, so. you know, it's got some pros and cons. You give up some speed. Um, and on, on the dual 
uh, sport bikes, but, uh, you know, you gain the off-road capability. Um, so, you know, you can go, list goes on for that as well. But as you, if you're using it to prep with, um, or you're using it as a, as a vehicle, you gotta remember that you have a space constraint. Um, you don't have a car, you don't have all the storage capabilities. Um, it depends on the size of your bike too. I mean, you can obviously carry more with a touring bike than you can a sport bike. Um, so you gotta think of what bags you have capable of carrying and then what you need to fit in those bags, you know, that gives you the best, uh, equipment that you need to do whatever it is you need to do to survive, um, or to get from A to B. And one of those is tools. You need to have the proper tools, you know, for your motorcycle, whether it be standard or metric or standard and metric. Um, you need to know what size sockets you have, um, have sockets and wrenches. And then, uh, you need a, um, you know, not so many, you know, Phillips and flathead screwdrivers, which you do, but you don't need a big assortment. One of each would be fine. Uh, number two screwdriver. Um, don't forget Allen's. Um, on Harley, there's a lot of bolts or Allen's, and you also need torque bits. T27 torque bit is not in a standard torque set, um, but it is the most common used torque bit on a Harley. <clears throat> That's something to just a uh, heads up. Um, so, you know, I want to throw those in your bag. And then as far as specialty tools, um, uh, a tire pressure gauge. Um, you definitely want to have, definitely want to keep an eye on your tire pressure. You also want to carry a spark plug socket, um, you know, for your spark plugs. That's made for your spark plugs. Um, that's one of the biggest things. You foul a spark plug, you, you know, you're stuck there. Some of the best ways to clean a spark plug, um, if you have access to a torch, use a torch. Um, I'm talking, you know, propane or map gas, not oxyacetylene. Um, but if you can have a torch, you can heat up that spark plug. Uh, heat up the electrode of the spark plug, not the whole spark plug, not the insulator, um, but the electrode. And once you get that cherry red hot, it'll, you know, run and, uh, fine, fire just as fine until you're able to get to, you know, someplace that has spark plug or you can get back home to, you know, your kit if you did not carry them in your kit, um, which is a great thing to, to carry. Some of the other things. Go ahead, man. Oh, yeah. Um, just, you know, with spark plugs, you know, something that's, that's kind of saved our ass over the years, um, is dollar bill. Um, if you, if you go ahead and, you know, take out your spark plug and, and it's found, you can actually take a dollar bill to clean, um, the electrode of your, of your spark plug. Um, and acts like a, like a real fine emery cloth. And it does a real nice job, you know, because not only does it, um, uh, not only does it soak, um, all the wetness off the electrode, um, but you know it also you know files and polishes you know at the same time. So remember the dollar bill trick because it's it saved me many a times you know especially if you have an older bike you know you'll you, you should probably already know that that trick. Some of the other things to carry um, is either a rain suit, rain gear, or extra change of clothes uh, on a. Motorcycle, you're open to the elements, so you want to make sure you're able to, uh, you know, accommodate those needs once they arise. And as far as anything else, you know, any basic parts that you may need. Um, and then you can also always carry your your, your bug out bag or 72 hour kit. Uh, a lot of people just wear book bags uh, when they're riding their bike, and or you can you know strap that bag onto the back seat, and then you have all your gear there as far as you know your water, your food. Um, your fire starter in case you get stranded on the side of the road. Um, a tarp that you can cover both your, you know, motorcycle and yourself with. Um, so never, you know, forget your, your 72 hour kit or your bug out bag or whatever it is that you decide, you know, to call that kit. Um, and then in your bags on your bike, carry your tools, carry your extra spark plugs, your, your known parts that, um, are small enough to, to carry or inexpensive enough, uh, to buy, um, a supply of. And then uh, just keep maintenance on your vehicle. Um, you know, check the tires. You know, another specialty tool that you should carry because 70% of all problems uh, motorcycles coming into shops are electrical. So you should carry a good um, auto ranging multimeter. Um, it's, it's something small, compact. Um, throw it in the, your saddlebag. Throw it in another bag and carry it with you. Yeah, and. 
you know, Corey and I, we, we had cheat sheets so we could go around and we could actually check um, the different, you know, electrical components um, and make sure that they were within range. Um, because a lot of times, you know, our, our instructors, you know, we've, we had some, uh, you know, instructors that were, you know, at the top of the field and um, what, what they said was, you know, don't, we don't want anybody that's just a part replacer. Um, that's what, you know, car mechanics do. You know, if something goes bad, they just replace a part. He's like, our instructors were like, we need you guys to find out what is causing the problem because that problem needs to be fixed first. Um, so it doesn't happen again or else you're going to be replacing something every 500 miles, you know, for say. And uh, we don't, you know, we don't want that to happen with you guys. We want you guys to know what is actually going on with the bike. And uh, so Corey and I, we, we made cheat sheets. And, I mean, you know, a 3 by 5 index card of, you know, all the different ranges or whatever, you can carry that. And you can, yeah, I mean, that's the size of your, your multimeter. Um, you can rubber band it right to it. And uh, you can you know, be able to check, you know, all the electrical components on your bike, you know, and make sure that, that they're within range before you, you know, start going down a wrong path. And the biggest thing is preventative maintenance. Um, stay up on top of it. You're only on two wheels. You don't carry an extra tire. Um, a lot of times, you know, you use your motorcycle to get, you know, out and enjoy the, the you know, nature. Um, so you're not, you know, always in the city. And you don't have cover like you do in the car. So if you get stranded, you're stranded and open to the elements. So preventative maintenance is, is you know, a very important thing. Um Check, you know, keep checking your oil. Make sure it's not using oil. Check your tire pressure. Make sure your electrical components are working, all your lights, your turn signals, um, headlights. Uh, make sure it's, you know, a safe vehicle to, to ride. Well, let's see. Now, Corey, you've got <clears throat> one last aspect on what this, you know, potentially could be. Um why don't you go ahead and fill us in on that because it was something that you passed on to me and thank God I never had to use it, but I know that, that you did. <clears throat> well, when it comes to security on a motorcycle, you got to remember that, you know, you are much smaller than someone in a vehicle. Um, and a lot of times people in cars and trucks and SUVs, uh, either, you know, they don't see a motorcycle or they just don't respect the motorcyclist. And that can be very dangerous, you know, for the motorcycle rider and or passenger that they may have. And one of the worst things is someone following too close, um, whether they're doing it just because they're in a hurry or if they're doing it just in spite because you're a motorcycle and they're a car and they're bigger than you and they can do that. Um, Whatever the case may be, there's no reason for a car to be following close to a motorcycle. Um, it's a dangerous situation because if something happens, if something runs out in front of that motorcycle, more than likely, if they go down, the car will not stop in time. Um, so, you know, they may be involved in two accidents because of some reckless, you know, person behind them. So what I carried, um, I had a uh, bag on my handlebars that had three pouches in it. And in those pouches, going left to right, I had three different size rocks. Um and it, I never wanted to you know, use it, but uh, there was an opportunity, or there was a, a a time where I had to use it. Um, I tried to gain distance in between me and another vehicle. Um, there wasn't real no turnoffs that I was aware of, of where the road went. Um, so there was a, a car following close, and they would not get off. You know, the my rear end and you know, stayed right up on me. Um, so I hit the brakes. I slowed down, tried to get them to pass. They wouldn't pass. I sped up, and they sped up. Um, so I went from left to right. I first started throwing the uh, smaller rocks and the next size up, and that finally got them to back up. Um, one thing about rocks is, you know, they can't prove that you threw them or, you know, your rear tire just didn't kick them up. But in, you know, in a situation where you are, you know, in a dangerous situation, um a car is can be used as a weapon, and when you're on a motorcycle, it's no different than uh, 
you know, someone walking across the street and pedestrians have the right of ways. Um, I feel motorcycles, you know, should to cars as well. And uh, there's a lot of people that don't respect motorcyclists. And it's, it kind of sounds like a dirty thing to do. But when your life's on the line, then, you know, you'll do what you have to do to, you know, increase your, your survivability. Um, and it worked. Uh, I didn't bust out the window or, you know, anything like that. Um, but it got their attention and they backed off and I was able to, uh, safely get to a pull off, um, you know, at a gas station and a pull off and, and they went on by and there was no incident. Um, but that's something you got to be aware of and, you know, take in consideration and, uh, hope you don't have to use it. But, you know, if you do, it's there and it's a, a good tool to have. Well, it sounds great, Corey. I, th- I, I, th- hopefully, if something in there um, will help you out, TJ. Uh, if not, get a little bit more specific, and I'm sure you know Corey and I we can, um, we can help you out with something. You know, I mean, we're we're main, we're mostly familiar with Harley, um, but you know it. I mean, we used to ride dirt bikes and quads and everything else, and. Um, Go ahead and uh, you know let's let's call it a show, Corey. Um, well, I hope you all enjoyed episode ten. Um, looking forward to uh, doing episode eleven. I don't know when that will be recorded since I will be um, that. Yeah, that one might have to wait until after you get back. So yeah, let's um, go ahead and think about a not next week. So look for us, you know, the following week, um, which. Uh, See that's uh, see this beginning of April twenty fourth. So yeah, um, you know we'll probably be recording that on either Friday the thirtieth or Saturday the thirty first. Um, so yeah, beginning of April, um, which is right when we're starting our cert training. Yeah, look look for the next episode. Um, so yeah, Corey. Uh, I think Just I'll everyone uh, remember that our twenty five member. Um, Prize drawing contest will be anyone, anyone's. We are 25 members. We're at 21 now. So uh, all of our new listeners, um, please come join us. We got uh, a lot of different topics. Got a lot of information out there. Um, all of our members are doing you know um, awesome job uh, contributing to our show. I want to thank them for that. And uh, don't forget to you know come check us out at www.survivaltech.webs.com. Call the voicemail line at 206-426-4893. You can email us at survival.tech at yahoo.com. And uh, come check us out. Become a member, post our forums, and stay alive, America.